Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you go. Here you go. One step. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Tuesday, October 17th, 2023. One step. That's it. One step closer. Two teams are one step closer to winning the World Series. We're in the League Championship Series. It's like the semifinals, the final four. You got to win four games. When you go on the road, you hope to win one of two. Go back home. It's a 2-3-2 format. The Texas Rangers go into Houston. They know Houston's a terrible home team. They know the Rangers are streaking. They take the first game and they are not satisfied. They go into Houston and sweep. It's called a mini sweep when you win two out of two, but the Rangers have swept the Astros. Almost incredible, except when you realize how hot Texas is and how mediocre Houston is at home. But the things that happened in yesterday's game were mind boggling for any executive or manager to watch. I felt for Dusty Baker as he's watching his team implode in the first inning. I'm watching when you have to win game two to even the series, and you've got your co-ace on the mound, Framber Valdez, really their number one starter all year long, and then they got Verlander at the deadline, and they move Valdez back to number two, which just lengthens their rotation, makes them a bigger favorite to get back to the World Series and win the World Series. And once you know it, the things you practice in spring training, where all the players are not paying attention, they're annoyed, they want to leave so they can golf, they're bored with the drills, they just want to play. Spring training is really hard to get players excited and motivated because it goes on too long. Position players really only need a week or two. Pitchers need longer, but it's frustrating for them to build up and they just want to get in the games, they want to throw live BP in games. But when spring training first starts, you're doing simple drills, teaching pitchers how to field their positions, when to throw to first, where to move on the bunt play, when to throw to second, how to listen to the catcher on what base to throw to on a little tapper back to the pitcher. And what you try to teach the players is the footwork. The great infield coach, Perry Hill, talked about replacing your feet. For those of you who have kids who play baseball or if you play baseball yourself, when you are fielding a ball in the infield, a pitcher, let's say, and it's a comebacker, and you need to throw to first. You get the ball, you replace your feet, which means you get your feet pointed in the direction of the base to which you're throwing. Last night, Valdez gets the ball. His feet are facing the wrong direction. He doesn't throw the right way, and he throws the ball away, and the Texas Rangers are able to take advantage of that, and they scored four runs in the first inning before Houston could even get an at-bat. The Rangers had one game won, and they're up 4 nothing in the first inning. The crowd's out of the game. Players are despondent. Texas is feeling good because they're playing with house money. And Houston said, no problem. We've got 27 outs. We can still come back. 
But no, it didn't happen. Nathan Ivaldi was the pitcher, the former Marlin, former Red Sox hero in the postseason, former Dodger. He was pitching a very, very good number two starter on their rotation behind Montgomery, ahead of Scherzer. Ivaldi pitched a great game. But here's what he did that separates winning from losing. Side note, we try to go through different situations with players, talking about game situations. What's the mentality? And we have sports psychologists, performance psychologists who would go through this. What happens when you, the expression is, get yourself out of the trouble that you got yourself into, which is different than getting yourself out of the trouble that someone else got you into. When people make errors behind you on defense and the bases are loaded with no outs, you didn't do that to yourself. So you've got to have the mentality to get yourself out of the trouble that was caused by someone else. When you hit a batter, walk a batter, when you throw the wrong pitch, wrong location, and all of a sudden the bases loaded, no outs, and the defense had nothing to do with it, that's the other part, which is getting yourself out of trouble that you put yourself into. And the mentality is different. When you've gotten yourself in trouble, what we try to tell the players is, the pitchers specifically, don't worry about three outs. The key right now is this one hitter. Don't let the fourth hitter, let's say the first three reach, bases loaded, no outs. Don't let the fourth hitter be the one who beats you. If you get beaten by the fifth and sixth, no problem, but not the fourth. Bear down. Go at it as though there's no one on base and you do not want to let the leadoff man on because that is what we tell all pitchers. Keep the leadoff runner hitter off the bases. Avaldi, pinch hitter, Maldonado pinch hits. Diaz, the great bat. He's 0 for the postseason. Avaldi strikes him out. One out, base is still loaded. Critical. You're up three runs. You're in the fifth inning and all of a sudden the Astros can get back in the game. Up comes Altuve. One out, ground ball gets you out of the inning. But with Altuve, that's not what you're thinking. Because Altuve, while he will hit into double plays, you wanna keep Altuve in the yard. You wanna keep him from hitting a fly ball. That is the time when you must get the strikeout. So with Altuve, you know the approach. It's the Altuve strikeout approach where you're going spinning. You're spinning away from him. Evaldi gets the strikeout. Now you're two outs. Now is when the training really comes, when the performance psychologist really makes his or her money. Because when you've gotten out of a bases loaded jam with no outs and you've gotten to two outs, you tend to think you've done it already. You've succeeded. And then you get the dagger two out hit and all the work that had been done prior is wasted. Everyone talks about the importance of two out hits. Well, you have a 33% chance of getting a hit with two outs because there's no outs, one out and two outs. Those are the only scenarios under which you can ever get a hit. So let's pretend that it's equal. So you're not out of the inning. You still have a third left to go. And you're trying to get through Bregman. Lo and behold, Ivaldi got through it. The Astros didn't score and they could not recover from that. And the Rangers ended up winning two nothing. Valdez is just, he did it to himself. When you can't throw to first, you've got to practice it. We practice it with them, but the pitchers get the yips. They get it up in their head. And the game tends to speed up when there's a little dribbler back to the pitcher and you know you don't field well. You know you've got the pressure of getting the ball to first. The best players slow the game down. The worst players in moments, the game speeds up. That's what happened.
So what does it mean now? Does it mean that that's it? Texas is in the World Series? Well, the numbers would tell you that the Rangers have a 90% chance of winning this series. Not bad. 29 times, if you can believe that, teams have won the first two on the road in a seven-game series with a 2-3-2 format. What that means is now the Astros, I was going to say Rockets, the Astros and the Rangers are going to Arlington to play three games in a row starting tomorrow. So the Rangers have a 90% chance. Yankee fans and Met fans may remember that it is possible to lose two at home and come back and win the series. But here's the thing about Texas, and we've said it to you from the start. When you're streaking like this, you better keep going because once the bender, this is the equivalent. You can never get hung over if you keep drinking. If you don't go to sleep, you can never have to wake up feeling like crap. That's what it is with the Rangers streaking. If they don't lose, they could run the table and win the next two against Houston, get into the World Series, win four more against Philly or Arizona, and boom, they've got their first World Series in franchise history. The problem is if Houston, who's a great road team, they happen to beat Max Scherzer in game three where they should have the advantage. Coco, what's the early line on that series, by the way, on that game, game three? I can't imagine why Scherzer would be favored except for his reputation, but not through the fact that he's been injured. But if the Astros happen to win game three, they could sweep the Rangers in Texas and all of a sudden go back to Houston up 3-2. So Texas is a small favorite in that game under Scherzer. So that's what happened in Texas. It was quite a game and surprising to everybody, the Astros are down 0-2. I predicted Astros in seven, not changing my mind. The Rangers have to win three games at some point. I just didn't think they'd be the first two. And then we finally got to the NLCS, Phillies against the Diamondbacks. I'm here in Stanford, Connecticut, went on CBS Sports HQ. You can find that. It's a fast channel wherever you get fast channels, doing pregame work and postgame work. And I said to myself, I hope the Diamond, I didn't say it to myself, I said it to all of the viewers and to my co-host. I said, I hope the Diamondbacks aren't satisfied. That was one of my keys to the game. What I didn't say and what I should have said is that Zach Gallen cannot, as the ace of the Diamondbacks, as a top five Cy Young finisher the last two years, he will be this year again, you can't start the game putting the ball on a tee for Kyle Schwarber. For crying out loud, Meatloaf, one pitch into the game on the, on the offensive side. First pitch in the bottom of the first. Phillies up one nothing. Schwarber goes deep. Fourth pitch of the game. Harper goes deep. You can't get away from your game plan that easily and quickly. After the game, the manager was interviewed, and he did a great job, Tori Lavella. You don't want to ever hang your pitchers out to dry. You don't want to be pissed off. So what you say is, yeah, that just he didn't execute it. We had the right game plan. It just wasn't executed. We'll get him next time. I like that. I'm good. Except here's what he should have said. I can't quite understand why our game plan included a fastball to start the game, and I'm not sure why we let Harper beat us or why we let him get an RBI single in his second at-bat in the second pitch he saw to score another run when first base was open. I can't quite figure that out either. Old school managers, Jack McKeon, Bruce Bochy, Dusty Baker, I think they would have said something along those lines. Like, what the hell are we doing? That's all I was thinking is the Diamondbacks are done. The Phillies score early runs, they get five runs, they're up five, one, four, nothing, five, nothing maybe.
And guess what? The Diamondbacks did not quit. Now, of course, there's no moral victories in the postseason. The Diamondbacks lost the game 5-3. The Phillies look to be on their way, at least one game in, to doing what we said and getting past the Diamondbacks in five games and moving on. Bryce Harper celebrated his birthday. He's blowing out his cakes. He's holding up 3-1, becoming the fourth player to hit a home run on his birthday. Fine. He shouldn't have been allowed to. Here's your birthday present, Bryce. Four, get on first base. Happy birthday to us for not letting you beat us. See you later. Kyle Schwarber became the most successful power-hitting leadoff person in history. Bye, Derek. Bye, Jimmy Rollins. Kyle Schwarber is your all-time leader in postseason home runs from the leadoff spot. It's almost impossible to believe. And then, of course, you've got Nick Castellanos, who just is H-O-Triple-T. He's in the record books. He's now with Reggie Jackson. Doesn't it just slip off the tongue? Reggie Jackson, Nick Castellanos. Do you think Nick will get a candy bar named after him? They're the only two players to hit five postseason home runs in a three-game span. That's it. Two players. Philly's getting production at the top, at the bottom. They're getting frontline starting pitching. Their bullpen is L-I-G-H-T-S-O-U-T. And what does that all mean? I'm not saying they should start sizing their fingers, but man, it's getting close. If Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola continue to pitch like co-aces, there is no way that anyone will be able to beat the Philadelphia Phillies. But these playoffs have been interesting. And actually, there have been all sorts of sweeps. Not that interesting. We need a seven-game series. I thought it would be Astros-Rangers. I still may be right. All right, Coco, let's... Uh, so I want to talk about briefly what our show is. We do a show that's live on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. And we make mistakes and then we correct it, but we're live. And there's no prompter. It's me and Coca. We talk through the topics and then we talk. Sometimes when there's breaking news during the show, we'll address it. But sometimes there's breaking news at 8.46, one minute after we're off the air. We're not going to go to the edit room. We're not going to pretend that we knew and now we know and we're going to discuss it. Kim Ang and the Miami Marlins parted ways at about 8.46 a.m. yesterday. And for all of you who reached out wondering, will I change the show? Will I bring it up? Will I do a new show? We said, wait till tomorrow, and it's tomorrow. I want to answer one of your specific questions, and then I want to address what is going on and what became the biggest story of the day, much to the chagrin of baseball, who wants the focus to be on the field, what happened in the front office in Miami was the top story. And this is one of your questions. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Welcome to the movie Half-Baked. When I'm working nights and mornings like this, I don't even get two 69 baked because the hours are so crazy. That said, you want to talk to Samson? Like in the movie? Get in my Twitter David P. Sampson, or davidsampsonpodcast.com. Get your merch. We're only a couple weeks couple weeks away from our third dropped specialty shirt. All right, here's your question. David, I'm listening to your show, and you are discussing the power of women in sports. And then I read that the only female GM has been fired. What's going on with your old team? Would you ever go back? Let me stop you right there. 
I was not the GM of the Miami Marlins. I was the team president. I wasn't the president of baseball operations of the Marlins. I was the team president. I reported to the owner. Everybody else reported to me. The baseball side, the finance side, sales, marketing, human resources, everybody reported to me. And then I reported to the owner. So I'm not a candidate to be the GM of the Marlins. I'm not a candidate to be the president of baseball operations for the Marlins. If you're asking would I ever go back to be the president of a team, 18 years, a World Series ring. I'm good. I love doing this with you. Now, what's going on with my old team? I appreciate that you were listening to yesterday's show and we did do a segment about the power of women and then all of a sudden Kim gets fired. Unbelievable. Timing. Life is. Beautiful. Okay. Coca, put on your seatbelt. It's time to go through exactly what happened. There is nothing personal about this topic. For those of you who think that I cannot speak to you about what's going on with the Marlins because I'm hurt that Derek Jeter let me go, you're wrong. I will give Derek Jeter credit when he deserves it, and I will give the Marlins credit when they deserve it, and I've done it on this show. And I've given Bruce Sherman credit on this show. Derek Jeter ran the baseball side of the Marlins. When Kim was hired, she was the first female GM. Like many teams, there's a GM and a president of baseball operations. What the GM is in that case is the function of an assistant GM. What the president of baseball operations is in effect the GM. There's been title inflation in baseball and you may see it where you work as well. That is why you have a president of baseball operations who's making the baseball decisions, the final person in charge, and then the GM who is helpful, the assistant. Assistant GMs are very important, very, very important. But make no mistake, Derek Jeter was running the baseball side. When Derek Jeter was let go, Kim was then the highest ranking official on the baseball side. But that had not been her role. And that may have not been her strength. And for those of you who are saying, but the Marlins made the playoffs, how do you not reward that? What you may not know is that the Marlins with their record in one run games last season, that's not sustainable. What you may not know is that the payroll that they had last season is also not sustainable. And what you also may not know is that inside the team, the way things were operating, who had the bigger voice, who was making the decisions, who was running things, it may not be exactly as you thought. So Bruce Sherman, as is his right, wanted to hire a president of baseball operations. And he did not think that Kim was the proper candidate to do that, much in the same way that Steve Cohn did not think that Billy Epler was the proper person to do that. Bringing in someone above Kim or above the GM who may have been functioning more as an assistant GM anyway, that is smart of the Marlins organization. Who will that president of baseball operations be? Unclear at the moment though a reunion with Mike Hill probably makes the most sense. Because would it be strange for you to know that Bruce Sherman may not have even known that Mike Hill was not coming back because Derek Jeter did not communicate with Bruce Sherman at all, which led to Bruce Sherman wanting to fire Derek Jeter. 
because Bruce Sherman was the owner. You can't have your president running amok the way Jeter was and have there be no consequences. So Sherman, not 4869. So Sherman is taking charge and looking at his team and realizing that changes are going to be have to be made on the field and off the field. Looking around and realizing that mistakes were made under Jeter that he's got to have fixed. It is Kim's absolute right to want to be the number one. What happened is that there was a mutual option for this coming season. A mutual option means that both sides have to pick it up. And it's an agreed upon number. The Marlins picked up their side of the option, but told Kim, we're picking up your option, but just know the same way Steve Cohn told Epler, we're gonna bring in a president of baseball ops. Kim then said, I'm not happy about that. What I wanna do is move on. And once Kim says, I'm not picking up my side of the mutual option, there is nothing the Marlins could do. They could have said, Kim, please pick up your option. And she would have said, no. They could have said, Kim, all right, let's rip up the option and give you a brand new three-year deal. And Kim could have said, yes. It is very unlikely that the Marlins offered that type of long-term deal because when a president of baseball operations is hired, they're gonna want control over who their assistant GM is, over who their GM is. That is totally normal. And as a Marlins fan, you should want the Marlins to be normal. So what happened is that you had a battle of statements yesterday. It was very important for the Marlins to not make it as though they were getting rid of the first ever female GM, which on a side note is one of the issues that teams have with hiring a female GM or a female manager or bringing in your superstar into the front office. Look what happened with the Broncos in Elway. When you have an icon in your front office making decisions in whatever position, manager, GM, manager, president, baseball ops, everybody who's hired is going to get fired. And that means as an owner or a team president, you are gonna be in position to fire an icon and no one wants to do that. And the best way to not do that is to not hire the icon in the first place or else there's gonna be a divorce and it's gonna be ugly and the fans are not gonna side with you. They'll always side with the story, with the player. When Jeter hired Kim Ang, there was no other end other than people thinking the Marlins were idiots, people criticizing the Marlins. That's the danger. Jeter knew exactly what he was doing when he did it. Now, once it happens, you've got to get out there, hey, we wanted her back. But then Kim has to get out there, we had a different philosophy. There was a different thought of what was gonna happen. She basically said that she met, she spoke to The Athletic, she spoke to Tyler Kempner. She said, last week, Bruce and I discussed his plan to reshape the baseball ops department, and in our discussions, it became apparent that we're not completely aligned. Meaning, he said to her, we're bringing in a president of baseball operations, and it's not you. She took the high road, she complimented the organization and the players and the work she'd done, and then left. Bruce Sherman took the high road. 
He said while the club exercised its option for her, Kim declined her mutual option. We thank her for her contributions during her time with her organization and wish her and her family well. That's the high road. Of course, their preference would have been, just like the Mets' preference would have been, hey, Epler, maybe you could stick around and not get in trouble and not resign. And David Stearns knew going in that Billy Epler was there. You look at a president of baseball operations who knows that the existing GM is there, and you wait a year before you make the change. And you give Kim or Epler or someone a soft landing. Now, they got in Mets' fandom, they got the situation where because of injury list fatigue, and violating rules that he stepped down in the best interest of your team. The Marlins didn't get that lucky. There was nothing the Marlins did wrong. So there was nothing to say other than philosophical differences. Well, I encourage you whenever you're paying attention to executives or to work situations or to marriages, irreconcilable differences, philosophical differences. Generally, it means two things, M and P, money and power. So while the Marlins were in the news, they were in the news on a day when two teams were playing in the league championship series. Clearly baseball did not want the Marlins to be in the news and clearly baseball was not happy that the only female GM is being looked at as having been let go. And now all of a sudden baseball this year, the the White Sox fired the black GM, Kenny Williams, and then the Marlins parted ways with the female GM, Kim Ang. Look for one of these openings in Boston or in Miami to be filled by minority as they should be, a diverse candidate, and then further look for the potential of Mike Hill to be interviewed to come back to Miami where he should have been from the beginning. Should never have been let go. Let's see what happens, but these are interesting times in Miami. That is the story. I hope that answered your question of what happened. And now, I think it's time to take a break, Coca. Because when we come back, we're going to talk about another situation that is a very difficult one when you've got an icon and you know it's time to move on. How do you do it? We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you for rating, reviewing, all the things that you do to keep this show growing. Yo, Coke, I got our first negative comment from someone in St. Louis. I saw my DMs on Twitter at David P. Sampson. Maybe a burner account and maybe someone who just hates me. But I thought my approval rating was like 100% in St. Louis. It's clearly not. So for the person who reached out, A, you obviously listen to the show, so thank you for that. 
But B, that is not what I'm like at all. And you know exactly what I mean. All right, I watch a movie every day. Amazon came out with a new movie with Jamie Foxx. I don't know whether it was filmed prior to him being sick or whether he was sick or what happened. That whole crazy thing with Jamie Foxx. And Tommy Lee Jones, who to me will always be The Fugitive and No Country for Old Men. The two of them made a movie about a true story. This is absolutely insane about a funeral director, a guy who owns funeral homes in Mississippi. And he sues a big corporation which owns a bunch of funeral homes around the country for breach of contract. And it becomes this incredibly racially based lawsuit. And it, I don't want to spoil the ending. I just want to tell you a little about the movie. It's one of those movies that tries to be a courtroom movie and it's not. It tries to be a buddy movie with Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones and it's not. It's just sort of a sugary, saccharine filled. I don't feel badly watching this, but I don't feel like I'm watching Oscar worthy material. I sort of feel good that the big guy is gonna lose. We're taking it to the man. I sort of feel sad looking at how old Tommy Lee Jones is, but I'm comforted in knowing that he's still on the screen with his voice and his mannerisms. I can't really separate Jamie Foxx from the character, so there's no Oscar coming there. And then the credits roll, and you see what the update is on this true story, and you say, wow, that is a pretty significant legal case. Maybe I need to read about what actually happened because this seems way more interesting than the movie made it out to be. That's the burial. So if you have time, I'd watch it, but only if you have time to research the true story after. And if you don't have time to do both, I would just read about the true story. Read about the true story of Willie Gary, the lawyer. Read about the true story of the funeral director in Mississippi. His name is Jerry O'Keefe. So if you wanna Google Jerry O'Keefe and read about him, do it. But either way, teach yourself the story because it's pretty fascinating. The Burial is an Amazon original. Okay, let's talk about corrections if you don't mind. <clears throat> I lost the mute button, Coca. I need my glasses. No, I don't have it. Can you hear me? Is this on, off, don't know. I swear to God, this is actually happening to me right now. Can you hear me, Coca? Are we live? Are we good? I can't hear you at all, so there you have it. So let's talk about uh, corrections. I told you that I make mistakes. Yesterday's show, we were talking about the Super Bowl. I don't remember why. Oh, we were talking about NFL being in London for the Super Bowl. And I told you, why would anyone want a Super Bowl in Minnesota? And I totally forgot the Super Bowl was in Minnesota. I had like 20 of you yell at me. Yes, I don't mind senior DMs at David P. Sampson. And yes, I know you think you're the only one, but if no one does it and you don't do it, then maybe no one will do it. So I understand why you do it. So here it is. Yes, there has been a Super Bowl in Minnesota. I was wrong. The Super Bowl this year is in Vegas. There is a team that I guarantee you will not be in the Super Bowl. The New England Patriots are a bad team. The Belichick versus Brady debate has come to an end. 
people have decided that it was Brady who caused the winning, not Belly. Which shows total reckless disregard toward the up and down that teams have to have. When you have a good team and you've got salary cap issues, you know that you're going to have a run of greatness and then you're going to have down the hill. The best teams get up the hill as fast as possible. Sustained brilliance in a salary cap sport, it doesn't happen. Tell me that dynasties can happen. Patriots were a dynasty, but it ends. All good runs come to an end. News alert, eventually the Golden State Warriors are not going to be a championship contender. Eventually, the Astros are going to stop appearing in the LCS every single year. Dynasties end. It is not because Brady left. It would have ended with Brady. Now, you're going to say he went to Tampa Bay and won another Super Bowl. Did you see the team that he had around him at Tampa Bay? That was their time, their moment. If you are Robert Kraft, you have a serious problem right now because people are hating on Bill Belichick and it's making me crazy. Coke and I had a major debate about this before the show today and last night. He understands why Patriot fans are upset, much like he understands why Red Sox fans are upset when the Red Sox finish in last place after winning all those World Series in the 2000s so far. It seems like the common thread is Boston fans. I propose to all Patriots fans, you've had it so good that I don't wanna hear a word. Coca says they're allowed to say whatever they want because right now is all that matters for fans and right now they stink. Well, excuse me for not building you a Super Bowl contender every single year. People are calling for Bill Belichick's job. Why? You think that Robert Kraft is gonna fire Bill Belichick ever? It's laughable. It's like thinking that Greg Popovich is gonna get fired in San Antonio. It's not going to happen. Steve Kerr in Golden State, not going to happen. Eric Spolster in Miami, not going to happen. There are certain managers who do not get fired, but they get counseled out. Robert Kraft is meeting with Bill Belichick and they're going through their team and they're sort of smiling about what they've done. Six Super Bowls, wins, six and three in Super Bowls. I mean, it's, it's staggering, actually. You know that your coach has 299 wins, wanted to catch Don Shula. He's like 29 wins away from catching Don Shula. But then you realize that your team may not win another game. They're one in five right now. They haven't been this bad since 2000. It's been 23 years. They're playing the Bills and the Dolphins next. It's likely they're going to go to one in seven. And the question is, what do you do? And I've got two words for you. Caleb Williams. Victor Wembanyama. New life. What's the best way to get an older coach remotivated? Get him the next superstar. Give him something to work with. Give him a light at the end of the tunnel. You think Belichick has lost his fire? That's you thinking Popovich lost his fire. When a team isn't good, you tend to blame the manager. That's what I did. That's how you fire managers. You say, oh, it can't be my fault. We didn't give you bad players. We gave you great players. You didn't know how to play them. But wait, you tell me what to do every time. Yeah, I know, but when it doesn't work, it's still your fault. I get that. But in football, Belichick 
is using Jack McKeon's favorite line. You can't win the Kentucky Derby with a bunch of donkeys. And that's what's on the Patriots right now. Their starting quarterback, you think Mac is leading them to the promised land? Forget it. If they have an opportunity to somehow be worse than the Bears, who may end up with the first two picks because they have the Panthers' first pick and the Panthers and the Bears are both so terrible, but the Patriots, if they can avoid the Lovey Smith issue, which of course Bill Belichick would always avoid, if they end up with the number one pick, the reward is Caleb Williams. Yeah, of course they could trade for it or do whatever they have to do, but you really want to earn it. And the Patriots are well on their way to earning the number one pick. I see when I am with an icon, that you have two ways. You either say to the icon, hey, where's your head? Are you good with the criticism you're getting? Are you feeling okay? What is gonna motivate you? What keeps you working your 20 hour days? Or are you tired? Are you done? We will give you a golden ramp if you want to stop coaching. We will celebrate you. We will put you in the ring of honor. We will retire your sweatshirt. You will go down in history as the greatest coach of all time, the most, the winningest coach of all time. You may not catch Shula in all-time wins, but you have surpassed everyone in Super Bowl rings, and that is what matters. We will give you this perfect landing. It's totally up to you. Robert Kraft has to take that point of view with Belly. Even if he wants to move on and wants different voice, younger voice, players are not responding to him anymore, Let's say he's not even working as hard, not as effective. There's a former player of his, Teddy Bruschi. He actually went on Get Up and said, Belichick has lost the clubhouse. They committed penalties to start the game. They finished the game with penalties. That's not a Belichick team. That's a pretty common thing for a player to say, hey, he obviously we're sick of his voice. It's a different set of players, number one, and the players stink, number two. So that's like blaming players who can't shoot and saying, wow, you keep missing three-pointers. I guess you're not listening to your coach. What do you think the coach is saying in a different voice? Please miss from three-point land. You think the manager is saying, hey, I've been managing you for about seven years. Could you do me a favor with the bases loaded and no outs? If you don't mind, could you strike out? It's laughable. You think that Belichick is saying to his guys, hey, let's avoid those penalties. No, no, we're ignoring your voice. We're gonna commit those penalties. That's not how it really works. So the way I see it is that Belichick stays with the Patriots, does not resign. And then I'm going to take this further with a little wait to see. When I tell you something's going to happen, when it does, I'll let you know. When it doesn't, I'll let you know. Bill Belichick will coach the Patriots next year. And guess what? Caleb Williams will be his quarterback. It's a two-part wait to see. Now, Coco wants me to make sure that you don't leave this segment with me not blaming Belichick for how stinky the players are because Belichick's also the GM. I hear you, Matt. I do. But there's something called the salary cap. There's something called expiring contracts, dead money. There's something called, hey, win now. Let's keep winning. Let's keep that window open as long as possible. And when it shuts, it's going to be bad. It's going to be very, very bad. And the GM says to the owner, are you okay with being very, very bad? But there's a chance we're going to be very, very good for a good period of time. Owners would always choose it. So that's my official wait to see. All right, nothing personal pick of the day. We are 147 and 149. We had the Phillies beating the Diamondbacks in game one. You got yourself a winner. We had the Astros tying the series in game two. 
you got yourself a loser. But then we had the Cowboys over the Chargers. So I got a quick one for you, Coke, on this. I was at CBS Sports HQ, and our guys, our NFL analysts, were going through the Cowboys-Chargers game pregame. And they were all talking about what teams do after they've been blown out by the Niners, how they always lose, how the Chargers are the best bet of the night, getting one and a half points. And I was thinking, but damn, my pick of the day is Cowboys minus one and a half. I must be on the wrong side of this because these are experts telling me that I'm an idiot. Guess what? Gambling happened. This pick is brought to you by Cowboys win 2017. Cowboys cover. Cowboys recover from losing to the Niners exactly as he told you they would. We are 147 and 149. It is game two of the Phillies Diamondbacks tonight. Aaron Nola is facing Merrill Kelly. And look for the Diamondbacks to head back to Arizona down 0-2. We are taking the Phillies and the money line. We'll have to find one of the games for the Diamondbacks to win, but it's just not going to be this one. Phillies over D-backs. In other news yesterday, it was an exciting day if you are a lover of the Olympics. It was a very big deal in baseball when the Olympics got rid of baseball as a sport. The World Baseball Classic in baseball is a direct descendant of the fact that the Olympics dropped baseball. MLB wanted to create its own Olympics. They wanted to create its own international tournament. They wanted the World Baseball Classic to be like the World Cup. They wanted it to be bigger than the Olympics. Well, wouldn't you know it, in Los Angeles in 2028, when they host the Summer Games, baseball has now been added as an Olympic sport. And it takes place during the summer. And so the question is, will Major League Baseball players play in the Olympics? And the answer's always been no. And the reason it's always been no is that baseball has been unwilling to stop the season for two weeks. And that's what is required. It's always been minor league players who can leave their team and go play in the Olympics when baseball was a sport, but there was no way that baseball would stop. Why? Owners were an absolute no. You could not get 23 owners to agree to let their players disappear for two weeks. It's hard enough letting them play the World Baseball Classic in March before the season started. Mets fans understand very clearly why it's not great for your players to play in the World Baseball Classic. Edwin Diaz got hurt celebrating Puerto Rico's win. Dominicans win. I can't remember, Coca. What, what, where was Edwin playing? Unbelievable. I'm sorry. That is absolutely inexcusable that I'm blanking. I could look it up right now. But here is the point. Puerto Rico, I got it right. A non-contact injury. It was contact. He was celebrating. It was just not during the actual game. There are issues that happened during the World Baseball Classic. As you remember, Kershaw couldn't play, pitch for the U.S. because they had an insurance problem. Every player who's on a World Baseball Classic roster is insured. The team gets paid if the player can't play for the team. Except what owners say is, not good enough. We don't want his money. We want him as a player. And that's a preseason tournament. During the season, if you shut down the league for two weeks, that's one option. Or you play without your best player for two weeks. That's one option. Let's talk about the second option first. 
There is not one owner who would allow their best player, let's say Bryce Harper, to walk away from the Phillies, even if you don't have to pay him for those two weeks, even if you're insured, if he gets hurt. You are not playing two weeks of regular season baseball without your best player. Hard stop. All right, how about shutting down the game? That seems like a great idea. Let's focus on baseball. Let's do a dream team. How amazing would that be? <clears throat> All the best baseball players, like the USA team in the World Baseball Classic, which couldn't quite win. But let's just say that the USA gets all the best players to go. Shut down the sport, focus on the Olympics. What about all the other players who aren't on the team? They can't just not play for two weeks. How about all of you who complained about the five-day layoff, how that was too long? You'd have to do a spring training again. You'd have to have exhibition games during the two weeks. You'd have to pay players for two weeks of games that aren't counting. It is financially not feasible, and it is practically not logical. Baseball is the type of sport that doesn't just shut down. What, do you have to build pitchers back up? Maybe do a five-day quick spring training at the end of the Olympics? And maybe do the World Series in December? Or do you just every four years make the regular season 140 games instead of 162, and then pay the players only for 140? The players' union would never go for that. Tell me the solution. How about making baseball a winter Olympic sport? That would be a solution. Get inside a dome. Why does it have to be a summer sport? I'm all in with baseball being an Olympic sport. There's inside parks, there's turf. But as long as baseball is a summer Olympic sport, Bryce Harper's dreams are gonna continue not to come true. Bryce Harper, when he saw that the Olympics were back, he said, hey, It'd be a dream. I guess, he said, I'm going to be old at that point, so I don't know if they're going to want me on the team, but it's always a dream. I think it's everyone's dream to be in the Olympics, especially coming here. Of course, I read that quote, and I immediately thought to myself, oh, my God, he still has three years left on his deal in 2028. He's acknowledging he's going to be old in 2028, and the Phillies have to pay him for three more years if there's not a better example out there of a player telling an owner, you signed me for too long, stop giving out 10 and 11 year deals because you know I'm not gonna perform. But of course that wasn't the point of his quote. Although he did throw it in there, I'm gonna be old, they may not want me. Does that mean Philly would want him, but the Olympic team wouldn't? Oi, is all I can say. But there is no solution. So baseball, Olympics, MLB participation, N-G-T-H, and you can bet your bippy on that. Because for owners, when they are thinking about letting their players go, and they're thinking about patriotism and gold medals, they look right into the eyes of the players who wanna be Olympians, and they say, it's just business. Back to work. This is nothing personal.